When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. Craven Cottage, make some noise for the team of the Fulhamish Podcast! It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name's Sammy James. Welcome to the show that is brought to you by The Athletic UK. The season is done, but the podcasts keep rolling with plenty of Fulham action to get into. Today, we'll look back again at Sheffield United on Saturday. All the ramifications on that. Of course, we'll discuss brand new contracts for Tim Ream and Niskins Cabano. Peter has written a list of all the credible Fulham transfer rumours, so he's going to be reading all 32 of those and counting. I'm not sure about cred- credible though, Sammy. I mean, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> We'll also have a correspondence and this will catch on at the end. I'm joined by the Athletic UK's Peter Rutsley. You already heard him. Hello, Peter. Hey, Sammy. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. And Jack Collins, hello. Hello, listeners. Hello, Sammy. Hello, Peter. This is all very exciting. It's a silly season. Silly season is back. Um, How was the rest of your weekend, Jack? Last time I saw you, we were both feeling it a little bit on the train back from uh, Sheffield, which was a very, very fun day. Obviously not the result we wanted, but it, it mattered little. It certainly did to me. I know there's some people out there who would have been annoyed. Oh, I, I quite enjoyed my day out, to be perfectly honest. The football aside, I, I didn't watch all that much. But I took the Don Betts approach, to be perfectly honest with you. As soon as the third goal went in, I was like, I think this game might be up. I wanted to see the guard of honour. Um, and I wanted to clap the players at the end because this has been an unbelievable season. Um, aside from that, you know, Peter tweeted it, but it did feel a bit like... The lads had just been on the pitch for the entire week and had just rocked up at this game. Really kind of make me laugh for a bit. Um, look, I, I imagine that the teams below Sheffield United, now I know Middlesbrough didn't win and, and nor did Millwall, so it wasn't, you know, to to be a problem in the end, but I'm sure they wouldn't have been too best pleased with Fulham turning up and and not being able to to play in the manner that perhaps we usually do. But Ultimately, it didn't hugely matter to us. The concourse was great crack. The uh, Sheffield United fans seemed to enjoy the the back and forth between the two clubs. They were in the playoffs, obviously. Uh, but, you know, it, it was a really good day. I, I, had a, I had a great laugh. And ultimately, you know, it's been such an amazing season that I don't think anyone's going to take it too badly. But it wasn't it wasn't the greatest performance on earth. No, it was a very happy occasion, especially with Sheffield United doing well and Fulham being champions. It was one of those rare games you go to, Peter, where kind of everyone left the ground smiling and that that's seldom happens. Um, what was the feeling um, amongst uh, the players in Marco Silva before and after? Did you smell um, a, a difficult day at the races? Uh, I think we sort of anticipated it might go that way, but I mean... You know, you have to look. You have to maintain that sort of professionalism, and I suppose if you're going to be hypercritical, it wasn't wasn't great in the start. Um, although actually, no, the first ten minutes were actually okay, I thought, and then then it just sort of went downhill a little bit. And I think, you know, we can we can over 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 edit a little bit. You know, it's not like they've been in a boozer for a week. They're, these are still professional athletes. Um, they 
I think what also made a difference were the changes. Um, I think, you know, when you, when there were players in there who were a bit rusty, I think Michael Hector was pretty rusty. Gazaniga came in as well. And it, it, I think there was a little bit of lacking that rhythm and, and, and familiarity, I suppose. But I mean, you, you play week, you train week in, week out. So couldn't have been that much of a difference. Um, in terms of Marco, Marco's, you know, he's, he's one of those, uh, managers who, um, Hates losing, regardless of the fact that you've won a won the season, uh, won the league, and got a hundred goals. Um, so there was there was a bit of frustration about, but you as you, you can't be too too annoyed um, about how it panned out. Asked directly, asked him directly about whether it was the celebrations of the week and, and everything else that had played a part. And he said, you know, that's an easy excuse, but <laughs> you know, and I know why the uh, why this result has sort of happened. Um, but you know, one to not the ending. I think anyone wanted. I think it was it was a record breaking result. I think well, not record breaking, but first team uh, to lose that heavily for since 1939. If you've won the league on your final day, so probably not the uh, the stat you want from from your final game, considering what else was at stake. You know, in terms of getting more goals and and Mitrovic scoring too. So um, one to uh, one to scratch. Jack, the only thing I couldn't quite work out is why he played. Particularly Hector. Like, maybe it was a case of he wanted to give him minutes, but I think we can be pretty sure that Hector's not going to be starting a lot of football games next year. I just found that a little bit of an odd sub. The only one I could understand was dropping the Welsh boys because they've got big things on the horizon and probably would be saying to Marco, I don't really want to get injured in a game that means very little. They've got a World Cup on the line. That was the only change. Gazaniga could maybe understand he might be our number two, might be our number three next year, but I just not 100% sure what Marco was trying to achieve with, with this lineup, which is a kind of hybrid of tired first teamers and, and second teamers that I don't really see have a huge amount of future here. Yeah, I, I suppose there's an element of, you know, some of these players might have been unbelievably good in training for the entire season and not had the opportunity because the fact that, you know, Tosin and Tim Ream were, were so excellent for the season. You know, Michael Hector might have been training like a dream the whole year round, been an absolute asset within the squad. Um, you know, they you know, heard people speak highly of his qualities in those regards before. Um, and maybe this was a kind of, look, fair play to you. You've been, you know, such a good behind the scenes kind of worker this far this season. You know, I want, I want you to go and start a game. Um, I, I don't know. I'd imagine it's behind the scenes things as, as much as some others. Um, but ultimately, again, like it's it's hard to to worry about it hugely. Perhaps there was an element of looking at it and thinking, you know, is you know, go out and prove yourself. You know, re- do you want to be in this squad next year? Go out and prove it. And, and I don't think anyone made huge cases for themselves. Let's be perfectly honest. Although I'm probably not the best person to ask um, regarding <laughs> you know how well people perform. It, it's just one of those that you know, whatever happened in this game was going to mean little and less, I think, for, from our perspective at the very least, if not from Sheffield United and definitely not from, from Millwall and Middlesbrough as well. Um, but you look at these things and you think, okay, if Marco Silva wanted to make some changes based on what he's seen, you know, during that training or, or or just to reward some players who've waited patiently all season or, you know, to, to make these kind of claims, I'm not going to press it in a game that, that didn't mean anything. Um 
And I don't think that there was enough changes to warrant any sort of genuine criticism um, from from other teams, you know, looking at the playoffs. I know that, you know, Bristol Rovers have had that amazing result where they won 7-0 against Scunthorpe, jumped Northampton. Now Northampton have asked the FA to launch a full inquiry into the fact that Scunthorpe changed seven players and started at a bunch of teenagers, right? You don't want to invite that kind of thing on the club either you don't want to invite an investigation you just can't you know we don't need it at this point we should go up heads held high as champions so I think there was an element of let's not completely and utterly tear up the script um but maybe just reward some players who've done well behind the scenes I don't know if there's any more to it than that to be honest yeah and that's a very good point actually maybe it was that Marco wanted to make more changes but also would have known in the back of his mind that you make too many you get a complaint from Middlesbrough who are not exactly uh, against um, waging a, uh, a a fight um in in the courtrooms or uh, with the FA if if they want to as we've seen um this season with their their antics with with Derby County so yeah I think Marcus Silva probably played it about right um Peter they discussed it on the Monday podcast with George Jack and Dan really lovely podcast actually if you haven't listened to them guys yet just looking at the playoffs and it was a mixture of who you'd like to come up and who you think will go up um you've got forest versus sheffield united you've got huddersfield versus luton uh, your prediction for the playoffs which start on friday yeah it's a tricky one isn't it i mean there's some i, I you, you'd want someone who hadn't been in the premier league for a while i think you know you're looking at luton and, and forest maybe but um i think it's it's nice that luton and huddersfield are together for the semi-final, so that at least one of them will get a crack at it because I think Huddersfield have just flown under the radar completely um, in terms of discussion. I don't think people really talk about the job that Carlos Corbran's done there uh, as much as they have, say, with with uh, Nathan Jones at, at Luton, not to not to uh, talk down what, not what Jones has done. I think Jones has done a phenomenal job there. So one of those two teams will get a 90-minute shot at the Premier League, which is good, and the other semi-final is, uh, yeah, that looks really tasty, doesn't it, between Sheffield United and Forest, you know not too far apart in the old geography and um, you know, Forrest for them, it's after the Bournemouth game and, and getting close to, to automatics it's it's how you recover from that. And obviously the Drew at Hull mind is, is definitely on the playoffs, but it, how does that affect them? And we've seen, we, we, we saw it weekend that Sheffield United still have that quality within the squad that got them to the Premier League before and could get them there again. They are very, a very good, well-rounded outfit. So Prediction, I think coming into it, you probably, you actually think maybe Sheffield United have the momentum. I think the winner of the Forest Sheffield United game will probably go up. I am adamant that Huddersfield are going to win this. Yeah, so am I, Sammy. I've been pushing this for weeks. I just think they're so underrated, Jack. And as much as Sheffield United Forest seems like the obvious place for it to go, I just feel like, particularly if if Huddersfield can get past Luton, I think that's the difficulty because they could get swept away at Kenilworth Road. I could imagine that being a, a... Luton win because Kenilworth Road is so hard to go to but if they can get through the two legs against Luton in a one-off game at Wembley just remember the job that Huddersfield did on us it was so impressive and look Forrest has done a job on us Sheffield United did a job on us Luton did a job on us early in the season these are all good teams that have actually proven themselves in various games against Fulham over the season um, but yeah my, my my pick is Huddersfield seems like you're on the same page yeah I, I wouldn't be surprised and to be perfectly honest I would like the winner to come out of Sheffield United Nottingham Forest I think that would be the most fun thing to happen here um, yeah I've just got a funny sneaker about Huddersfield winning this um, I just think they're just quite hard to break down they've done it before 
yeah, I'm 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 a bit I'm a bit there on Huddersfield. So you've had a good. The main thing you don't want to get against Huddersfield with their record in the playoffs is a penalty shootout because they will win it. Oh yeah, they love their penalty. Penalty, love their penalty record. Their penalty record in the playoffs is absolutely exceptional. Right back to Fulham news, Peter. Two new contract extensions, one year each for Niskins Cabano and Tim Ream. I don't think Niskins is a surprise. He's been a key member of the team this season. His amount of appearances and, and goal contributions has dwindled as the season goes on he started like an absolute train and has not finished the season in quite such blistering form but easily warrants a contract and a good option off the bench for us in the Premier League Tim Ream though is the surprise we've all assumed that he wouldn't be here next season we've definitely all assumed he won't be starting at the very least next season but I like it I I, I just think it makes sense and whilst a move to the MLS or retirement also could have been on the cards when someone plays 46 or starts 46 out of 46 games for you to then not have them next season did feel a bit odd. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. I, I think, you know, both have had excellent seasons, both deserve it. Obviously that meriting and deserving a contract in football, which is obviously a very harsh industry does not necessarily mean you'll, you'll make the squad the following year. But I think when you assess where Fulham are at and what they what to do in the in the summer it, it doesn't really make too much sense to, to to cut Tim Ream essentially unless of course in like with Dennis Adoy he wants to go it's a good opportunity more stability longer term whatever um then then maybe maybe the, the, that's a different that's a different angle entirely but if he, if he does still want to be there and he, he still wants to compete and I think he said recently in an interview that he you know feels he can go for a few more years yet so if he feels in he's that position um as a squad member, we, we all know the value he brings to Fulham both off well off the pitch um, and we've seen on the pitch that Marco Silva is clearly a big, big fan of him. He speaks extremely highly of him and to have that a player who is as professional as Tim Ream is, um, who is as respected as Tim Ream is in the dressing room, I think is massively important because, you know, you look at, and I sort of touched on this in the, in the piece, you know, the last two times Fulham went up, it's two different teams. You know, it's two different teams that Fulham have sort of created off the back of the, the summer windows. Yeah. Um, and there are definitely, definitely plus sides to this. You know, there's no, you know, it's not like we're saying that the recruitment when they went up two years ago, while it was late and that caused problems, the team that Fulham built should have stayed up. But you want to build on something, especially a title winning team. You know, this is a, a team at the peak of their powers. I feel like there's a stronger, there is a stronger spine there. Um, and you want to make sure that you have the right assets. I mean, if you're, if you want to, I don't think Tim Ream is going to be a starting player next year. I don't think anyone feels that he'll start 38 Premier League matches. Um, but to have him there as an option, who knows how Silver plays, knows the system, knows the club, knows the squad. I just, it, it makes sense. Um, especially when you look at the other centre halves, you know, your Alfie Mawson, your Michael Hector, still not confirm what their, their situations will be. Their contracts are up. I think I know that Hector has a, has an option, but, they haven't played in the championship. So from their point of view, are they going to play in the Premier League? Probably not. So for them, at their age, they're probably thinking, I probably should be looking to, to get out and get gamed. Um, so then suddenly you're left with Tosin Adrabaya, if you get Tim Ream go as well, and Terence Congolo, who hasn't played for ages, needs games himself, um, won't be in the Premier League, you'd expect. Um, you know, that's a lot of players you've got to bring in all of a sudden. Um, so yeah, it make, for me, it makes, makes perfect sense. And, and Niskin Scabano as well. 
you know, he's, he's had the best season and a similar thing, you know, off the field, we can see how popular he is with fans and the same applies in, in the dressing room. So um, for me, yeah, I agree. I agree. It makes sense. I mean, Jack, Tim Ream would be about the 20th oldest player in the Premier League as it stands right now. You look at the list of oldest Premier League players and there are players older than Tim Ream who are starting most weeks. Now, a lot of them are very high caliber players. We're talking Thiago Silva, Ronaldo, Fernandinho, James Milner. And Fernandinho is, it- is on, his, on his way back to Brazil to see out his career there by all accounts pretty much yeah but he's 37 Uh, look i'm just putting it out there a bit of devil's advocate first game of the season it's tim ream and tosin are you terrified no well no i'm I'm not terrified it depends who we're playing obviously if we're playing manchester city and erling Haaland, (laughs) then i'm going to be terrified no matter who's going to be during that back line look I, i i spent most of the last two seasons with fulham in the premier league terrified no matter who was starting right so Ultimately, I don't see if you can you can chuck that at anyone. I'm, I'm not sure if that's that's anything to do with it. It's about building a system that works. It's about adapting to the rigors of the Premier League. I think that Tim Ream, personally, from my kind of point of view, is a glorious footballer in a team that has the ball that much because he's able to utilize his passing range um, and and dictate games from the back. You know, he has that ability to split teams open, to play passes, to carry, to wander forward with the ball at will, to release players. Uh, I think he's been a wonderful footballer for Fulham. and a wonderful servant to the club. Um, and I'm really, really glad he signed a contract because I think that this dressing room needs leadership. And I think he provides that on a serious level. I do wonder how that kind of element of the game, the game, the elements he's strongest at, in my opinion, translate into a team that doesn't have as much of the ball, that is, you know, doesn't you know, dominate games possession-wise, territory-wise, and therefore is playing a little bit more on the back foot. I, I haven't seen that yet, played to in Tim Ream's strengths. But that's not to say that it can't happen. It's just to say that I haven't seen it. Um, so yes, I'd be concerned if that was the back two starting. But I, I think I'm going to be concerned whoever it is. You know, they've shown this year that they're a good partnership. They work well together. Um, but do, you know, do Fulham need to, to push on in those areas? Perhaps. Um, but that's not a slight on Tim Ream or, or his ability or what he brings to this football club. I just wonder if the style of play that we're going to have to adopt and have to adapt to in the Premier League will suit him as quite as much as the one we have seen in the in the Championship. And Peter, we mentioned Niskin's Cabano. As I said, his goal contributions, the amount of time he spent on the pitch has gone down over recent weeks. I thought he played particularly well against Sheffield United when he came on, by the way, on, on Saturday. That was a small side point. He was um, causing them a few problems down the left. Admittedly, they were 4-0 up and had one eye on uh, next Saturday in the playoffs by that point. And I don't think they were really trying massively by then, but he did come on and, and do well. He's another one, though, that I'd be surprised to see him starting, particularly with the likes of Mana Solomon linked to us. It might not be where Niskins wants to be, being an impact sub, but he is a he is a good option off the bench, as we saw literally on Saturday. I imagine that's going to be more of his role. Of course, time will tell. Yeah, um, yeah, he's he's very good one on one, and um, I think he's a, a he's different to Wilson in terms of profile as a winger. Um, as you say, you know, Fulham will, will strengthen there in talks with Shakhtar about Mano Solomon. Um, so again, it's another good option to have, you know, it's a, it can be a long season, injuries happen. And I think 
again, he knows the way Silva likes his team to play. And I think everything that comes with him being in that squad make, means it makes sense, you know. And what's to say? And, uh, and uh, you know, of course, it's difficult and, and, and the step up is, is massive to the Premier League. But we haven't seen these since Cabana in the Premier League, really. So as in playing consistently in the way he has under Silva. So I'm not saying he's going to come in and, and, and rip it up, but there's, that's not to say that he can't hold his own at that level. So um, yeah, a, another one that, that makes sense. I thought he did okay when he came on. I mean, it was, I think where Fulham lacked against Sheffield United was actually missing Tosin from the back. And, you know, when Jack, Jack was talking about the importance of centre-halves to Fulham's system, they're hugely important, both in terms of bringing the ball forward and, and finding spaces and, then when needed going long and um, I think they just lacked being able to switch the ball and I think when, the amount of times Fulham tried to switch from from centre right or right to left where Kibano had that space they just never quite seemed to, to make those passes stick as much so um, but yes yeah uh, going back to Kibano, um I think I, yeah again it makes sense and, and, and it's the off-field stuff as much as much as on-field and it's a squad game you know you, you again you move him on you bring someone else in and you know they've got to they've got to gel they've got to get in quick and other players out of contract um this summer all of this by the way uh, in a piece that peter released on monday uh kind of looking at the state of fulham right now um is john mckell seri he's out of contract michael hex is out of contract alfie mawson fabry cyrus christie steven sessignon and tyrese francois out of all of those john mckell seri the most likely to stay on yeah seri wants to stay when when I when I wrote the piece and uh, it hasn't been I hadn't there hadn't been a conclusion yet or at least one that I could report so um, it'd be interesting to see what he does you know he he's he's got that option so uh, again someone who could offer something in midfield I feel like midfield is really critical um, for next year and and for what several want to do um, and yeah and, and and then you know there are, there are others in there as well we talked about Hector and Mawson and I think you know. Uh, I can't see Fabry staying. Um, Cyrus Christie's going to leave, and yeah, we'll, we'll see on the other ones as well. So, um, Seri's had such a good season, and I, I suppose mm-hmm. if he has the right players around him, he will do well. And again, it comes back to what Jack was saying earlier because it's a different game. It is a different game. He's not going to have necessarily the same time. Fulham are not going to have necessarily the same amount of the ball. It was interesting speaking to Seri after the Forest game, and he talked about how he obviously used to be an eight and that being a six was sort of a, a new sort of role for him really. Um, and that he enjoyed spraying the passes and, and dictating the tempo of it. Obviously in the Premier League, it will be, it will be different. And I think it depends on those around him, how you get the best out of Seri. And I think that also applies to Tom Kearney. I think we talked about how they're, they can be similar in, in profile, but uh, in different areas of midfield and in, in different roles in midfield, at least under, under silver. So yeah. And I, and I wonder then if that comes into the broader conversation about what, what Fulham do, in terms of their recruitment and who they, they look to go for. Um, so I'm sure there have been there are talks this week with, with Seri and, and, and those who, whose contracts are up because these are important decisions that, that need to be made soon. And um, I'm sure we'll, we'll, know, we'll know a little bit more very soon. Yeah. And uh, congratulations, by the way, to Tom and his partner, Abby. They had their second child the other day, Brody, and uh, all looks uh, healthy and well. So uh, congratulations to both of them. Uh, what a week, hey? Uh, scoring the 100th goal and uh, the goal that set us on the way to winning the title, lifting a trophy and then having a kid uh, at the end of the week. I think that was definitely one um, he well, and the they will remember yeah. Yeah, for, for a little time to come. Right, we'll take a break there. Afterwards, we're going to get into silly season. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Part two of the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here with Jack Collins and Peter Rutzler. Right, silly season. Peter, your list that you talked about before the podcast, you said that you're compiling a list of everyone that Fulham has been linked to uh, in the transfer market and the number stands remarkably on the 11th of May at 32 players. Um, do you want to go through all of them one by one or should we uh, should we pick out some highlights? Uh, I mean, the, the thing is, I don't really want to say anyone because it might get picked up by people thinking that these are actual links that I've sort of come up with. So, these, are just, um, these are just rumours that you'd like. You, they're you, literally you, you, every, every rumour yeah. in, in, in the world. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I mean, you, you can just pluck a name out and I can just say if it's on the list or not do that. Anna Solomon. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, no, he's in talks with Fulham. So, I mean, that one's a bit more, bit more substantive. <laughs> so are we, are we expecting that one possibly to be done at the beginning of the transfer window on, on June the 10th? Is that kind of the expectation that it I mean, not putting you, you know, a gun to your head and telling me whether it's yes or no. I'm just saying, you know, is that the first one that you would expect as a betting man to, to come through the door? There's the one we know about. Um, you know, my understanding is that, you know, this seems pretty advanced. Uh, it's just not, not done yet. Um, so I, yeah, I would expect so, but you never know with these things. You never know. So, um, they can drag on things, change circumstances always happen, but yeah, that's the one that's in the pipeline anyway, as it stands. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, uh, any transfer rumors that you'd like to, uh, pick out that, uh, you've noticed in the past, uh, week or so that, uh, of, of, kind of tickled your fancy that there's plenty swirling about as we as we mentioned yeah i mean there's a, there's a strong rumor that liverpool are signing a, a new right back um which does seem to suggest that nico williams might be surplus to requirements there now that doesn't mean obviously that fulham are going to sign him um because i'm sure there are plenty of people after the services of a young fullback who can play on both sides and has proved himself especially going forward um pretty much every time he's played so you know, there's that to consider. Um, one I quite like is is Josh Cullen at Anderlecht. Um, Fulham have been linked to being, not linked to, to making an offer, but linked to have been watching him and, and keeping an eye on him in a couple of games now um, for Republic of Ireland International, which is obviously nice. Um, but equally, when you, when you look at Cullen, I think he's the kind of player that Fulham could do with. Um, he is a busy number eight with a little bit of a creative streak in him, um, but ultimately someone who's going to buzz around um, and, and, and get the job done in midfield. He's a, a player you can kind of rely on in the midfield. Um, not quite a Harrison Reed in terms of what he what he produced on the field he's not quite as buzzy so what should we say as, as Harrison Reed is around the base of those midfield but um, a player who's comfortable getting stuck in getting making tackles winning the ball back recycling and also decent on it good um good passing ability on him as well especially in short ranges so yeah I like Josh Cullen a lot obviously um someone who was at West Ham um and took a bit of a gamble in his career went off to Anderlecht um since then has you know become a full international um has seen his career tracked by quite a lot of clubs so Fulham's interest peaks my interest um that's one that i think would be a relatively shrewd signing probably wouldn't cost all that much yeah well central midfielder would definitely make sense and you know we talked about as i mentioned before how important midfield will be and um 
you know that is a position Fulham want to 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 strengthen um, at the moment. I think they're looking at at least five new additions, um, and that's an, at least and and th- you know this is <laughs> when we're at this point. You know, I don't. It's not like a, they will get five. That is it. Nothing more. Nothing less. Um, it looks like an at least, and I think some of the priority type positions that I've been aware of are as we. You can almost predict them, I suppose, but. Um, from what's, what what the conversations are, it seems, sounds like uh, centre-back, right-back, obviously with Neko Williams, someone they would want to keep if they can. Um, central midfield, um, include, which includes a Fabio Carvalho replacement from, from what I understand. So that was quite an interesting topic. I know we talked about whether Fulham will try and get an eight or a couple of eights, some bit more physicality, but it seems like um, Fulham want to see if they can get a player in a mould of, of Carvalho, which of course won't, won't be easy. Um, a winger, and you know the Solomon, and and possibly a keeper as well. Um, so uh, there, there is that 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 sort of reflects a a quality over quantity um, type uh, approach to to the window, and and yeah, and I mean, you know with any new promoted side, it's why you're going to get so many so many rumours, and because of Fulham's track record before, it, um, it only it only adds to it, but. Um, yeah, so central midfield definitely is something they'd look to and, and it looks pretty unlikely that Anguise is coming back. I don't think there's an expectation that he will. I think there's an expectation that Napoli will exercise their their option to buy clause because of how well he's done. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and I don't think that'd be a surprise to, to anyone. And also, I think with Anguise, and they talked about this again on, on the Monday podcast, for me, I think he's a classy player. Would he do a job for us? Absolutely. Would I like to see him back in an ideal world in this team? Would it, like, yes, that would be wonderful. But I also do just think it's water under the bridge. And if you, I think it's best for all parties if he moves on. I don't think you can, for the sake of the morale of the squad, just keep buggering off for championship seasons and keep getting back into the first team for the Premier League. I think it's so important to keep the, the morale of this squad up and not saying that they don't like Andre Frank, but I just think for me personally, cut ties, get a bit of money for him from Napoli. It's not as much money as we paid for him, but get some off the books. I think it seems like a sensible transfer for all involved. But, um, Reports in see. Italy now saying that that's, you know, very close to being a done deal. So that's, that's good, isn't it? In, in, in your regard, that's good. Um, I'd Thank love you for the, me- <laughs> thank you for the memories though. Millwall away will live uh, long definitely, in the memory. There's definitely a what if with Anguissa though, isn't there? Quite, quite oh, clear. Yeah. He's a, he's a really talented player. And if you just think, you know, obviously that first season, it was difficult for everyone, but if you gave him a platform to settle, you know, then Fulham would have had a, I think a, a really impressive player that could have grown and developed and we'd see more of him. Instead, we've just seen the, the flashes, haven't we, in the, in the two Premier League seasons? Because you can't be excelling in the way he is at Napoli and has done previously at Villarreal and not be uh, a good player. So, um, yeah, and it's, I, you know, we'll see what the fee is as well. I know the reports are around 15 million euros, aren't they, um, in Italy, and which seems low for someone, you know, of his quality. But we'll see. I mean, Leicester away in the behind closed doors season, he was exceptional, but. Millwall away this season when he came on and just started flicking it over everyone's head <laughs> was was a memory you know we might uh, later on in a couple of weeks we'll probably do like memories of the season and all of that and um definitely that one for me just just came on and just looked like it was like Pele like stepping onto a championship pitch it was um it was exceptional stuff and uh, there was a real expectation that he might stay at that time we thought oh my god imagine how many points how many points would we have got if we'd have had uh Frank Zambo a and Giza Jack a thousand points. <laughs> We'd have won every game. Points, yeah. 
uh, it would have been sensational. If you want to read more on Peter's piece, kind of looking ahead to what Fulham are trying to build next season, there's some really interesting comments uh, from Marco Silva uh, about how he's happy with the platform he's already created, but he's looking uh, to build on. Uh, it's all in Peter's piece that was released on Monday in The Athletic. Uh, you can sign up right now by going to theathletic.com forward slash Fulham pod and you can get The Athletic for £1 a month for the first six months uh, if you haven't signed up already. What a summer smashing deal that is. And another piece that you've released, Peter, today in The Athletic is looking at Alexander Mitrovic. Uh, you've written it uh, jointly with Mark Kerry, who is The Athletic's stats guru. And man, this is a piece. I absolutely loved this. Uh, the headline is one that... <laughs> You might have to fall on your sword for in 10 months time, but it's why Alexander Mitrovic is ready to shine in the Premier League at last. I can't wait. Well, no, I can wait uh, to see this on at Cursed Football uh, come April. But I agree with everything that was said. And it's all about how Alexander's role has, has subtly changed his positions on the pitch and everything he's doing all the build up and it's, it's confirming what we've kind of talked about all season. So uh, I'll, I'll let you take it away with a bit of a description about what this piece outlines. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One for, you know, uh, things that proceed an unfortunate event kind of thing, I suppose, if it doesn't happen, but you know, if it doesn't happen, and I think I do make the point in, in the, in the piece that, you know, it does feel like Fulham and, Mitrovic's fates are sort of intertwined a little, but I think that there's two sides to this the, the piece. Obviously, it's breaking down how he's been doing so well under Silver, and, and we've talked about it extensively. You know, the fact that he links the play and there's more to his game than the ridiculous number of goals. Um, but, you know, he, he scored 43 goals and was overperforming his XG. He's ruthless. It shows his confidence in front of goal. Uh, we've seen that. Even if you wanted to take a small example, it's just his penalties. You know, we talked about Mitrovic on penalties, and he's doesn't miss them and it's it's all of that together gives you a, a player who's 27 in his prime this is definitely his best shot at the Premier League with a manager he clearly loves um playing in a system that works for him um and yeah and uh, you know obviously next year is going to be very different um this is going to be a different style of play as Jack was saying before and that definitely you know in, in reference to Tim Ream, that applies to Mitrovic massively so um it will, Fulham will be 30 to 40 yards further back. They will need to do more off the ball work. Um, and it's how Fulham can get the best out of him. And if they continue to use the platform that they've created, adapt it, whatever, and they try and use Mitrovic as basically the key, because Fulham will need someone to hit double digits of goals. Um, and I don't see a reason why he can't do that. And also with this piece, it was nice just to go back over some of his Premier League seasons, which the numbers aren't great. They're not, they're not as good as you want them to be. But, you know, we're... We, we discuss context, but there is context for every single season. You know, he still scores 11 in 2018-19. 2015-16, got a reputation for a hothead for his red card, still scored nine, and he started 22 Premier League games. So there is clearly like, there is a perception of Mitrovic, and I think he'll want to put it right in the same way that Fulham will want to ditch the yo-yo tag. But at the same time, as you mentioned, with falling on your sword, if it doesn't happen, then that's just going to continue. Um so, but if it is to happen, it will happen now because I've, you feel like everything is in place because everything has fallen into place. And that's why he's had the season that he's, he's had. One thing that I always think gets lost slightly, Jack, in the Mitrovic numbers chat 
And with the 43 goals this season, there's been a few games where Fulham have run away with it and Mitrovic has got the fifth or sixth goal. But how many goals for Fulham have been absolutely crucial? The amount of points he's won this season has been enormous. And next year, I don't know, he's going to get judged on whether he gets 10, 15 or 20 or five Premier League goals. But for me... And look, we, it's always nice, the numbers, and the record has been fun this year for him to break that. That's been extraordinary. But we can get lost a little bit in, in numbers. And you look at someone like Ivan Tony, who's got about 12, two of them are hat-tricks. Like, he hasn't won enormous amount of points with his goals for Brentford. The most important thing next season is that Mitrovic wins us points. It's not about whether he gets a dozen goals or eight goals. If he wins us important games that gets us towards survival, that's the main thing. And it, and I think we've all just got to remember that, that it isn't, you don't get any points because Mitrovic has scored a few extra goals. No, and I do appreciate that. I, I, I think there's something in the fact that if your team is geared around a central focal point, um, that central focal point needs to work, right? That It's as simple as that in, in some ways. Yes, of course, you need the rest of the team to work around him. Um, but so much of what Fulham do is, is, is centred around, it's hardwired, I would say, around Alexander Mitrovic. Now, that's not just goals, but it's a pretty big part of it. Um, and, and the fact is that, you know, yes, he's become a creator. Yes, he's he, he's dropping deeper. All of these things suggest that he is a more rounded player than he ever has been. And that's going to help going into next season. But you still can't, you know, come away from the fact that he scored over 40 percent of Fulham's goals, you know, this season. And he's going to need to do so again next season if Fulham are going to have any chance of survival. Yes, you can share the goals around. Yes, there is important where the goals come. But ultimately, it's going to come down to whether we can cut it or not. And, 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 and that's going to be massively to do with not just how many he scores, but how he performs in general. I'm with Peter and Mark. This uh, article made me, uh, made me smile this morning because it's two of the nicest people in football um, working on a piece together. I really enjoyed it. Um, I saw it come up and I was like, oh, yeah, I could read that. That sounds good. Um, but, you know, you do look at that and, and you think, OK, the, the, the situation and the the platform, you know, as Silver said, um, is there for Fulham to improve, for Mitrovic to improve, to show everybody that this is not a I'm stuck between the Premier League and Championship. I'm not Cameron Jerome, right? This is a, a player who has performed on the I highest. I am not Cameron. To be fair, that's a statement I'd be looking to make if I was a Premier League footballer. Um, but ultimately, you're looking at a player who has you know, come up big on the international stage, whose scoring record for Serbia is unquestionable, whose commitment, I think, to Fulham and to how Fulham play right now is, is unswerving. And it's going to be massive how much he improves next season, both on a goal-scoring front and on a performance front, if Fulham are going to survive in the Premier League. One little graph from this article I found particularly interesting, Peter, was uh, Mitrovic's touches on the ball. And you've got... Um, a table kind of of the pitch and then the pitch is divided into squares uh, and it outlines that Mitrovic's role has become a lot more central a little bit more to the right but a lot more central particularly in this like center circle area there's a clear increase in the amount of touches but weirdly still in the center actually in front of the penalty box is amount of touches of either gone down of course in the box his touches have gone up as well which is not surprising given the amount of chances that he's been given um this season but silver's obviously said to him stay narrow stay central the most important place for you to be on this pitch is in the middle 
kind of third if it was drawn into kind of vertical lines yeah i mean we we've, we've talked before on here about when literature goes into wide areas things aren't really going that well generally where he's at it most effective is quite clearly in the penalty area you know he's all of his goals are in the penalty area that's 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 his home that's where he's that's where defenders don't want to don't want him to be um and that that's that is an interesting sort of reflection isn't it the fact that in that almost midfield central attacking midfield sort of zone essentially he's not as he doesn't pick up as many touches in there he's actually a little bit deeper and actually one of the one of the graphs shows that he's had more touches in his own half like three more touches per game which is actually a lot more than than you'd think uh, for a striker um but we, you can see that with I suppose you see it week in week out on the eye test and the way that he drops deeper into midfield when when opposition sides go man for man he's then dropping in as a spare player can then link the play that way it's part of those open place uh, patterns that, that Fulham will work on to create space for midfield runners like Fabio Carvalho, like Harry Wilson in particular. You know, they've got 13 goal combinations, which is pretty, very decent number that um, between two players um, and, and Cabano and, and whoever else is in mid- midfield making the run. So um, that's just part of the way he fits into Silva's system. And he's clearly embraced that um, and is improved with that. And that's reflected in his assist numbers. In some of those key passes that we've seen, and there's a couple of sort of grabs in the piece which sort of show it um, in real life, uh, as it were. Uh, it was interesting, Jack's point, because you know, Fulham come into the season, you have a choice: you either back Mitrovic, build around Mitrovic, or you move away from Mitrovic entirely, which is what Scott Parker tried to do last year. Um, and then Mitrovic is out of favour, uh, and you, you don't use him, and you're using Ivan Cavallaro up front, and it didn't work ultimately. Fulham's biggest problem was conversion rate; everything else seemed to work. Um, getting the ball in the back of the net was was the problem. Um, but this time around, you have a system that seems to suit him. You have a style of play that suits him. It's not going to be the same next year. It's, it can't be because when you're playing Manchester City or Liverpool or Tottenham or, or whoever else, you're going to spend periods of the game without the ball. So how they use Mitrovic in that point will be really, really interesting. But you've got to think about how you're going to score goals. And if you go all in on Mitrovic, you have to build around him. And it's that platform. and, and when you see how Fulham are right now and you see the number of goals Mitrovic is scoring, the confidence he has, you know, it's interesting because one of the other graphics was his over and under performance with XG, which shows in the Premier League, he underperforms. He's, he should be scoring more goals from the chances that are created for him. But in the Championship, he overperforms, um, which is oh, it's an easy division, sure, partly. But there's also a confidence element there, you know, a, a willingness to take on more difficult chances, to shoot on site, you know, take those opportunities. So, if you can get a confident Mitrovic with still having that supply line, um, then you will score goals. Um, and whether Fulham can create that, we'll, we'll have to see. There is, you know, the, the plausible alternative, although I think it's unlikely that you find Mitrovic a strike partner. Um, you know, someone who is a different type of player to Mitrovic, you know, a nippy forward who likes to run off the shoulder, who might benefit from flick-ons and things. But I think that would involve a real shift of styles. Um, you know, we have seen Silver shift to a two up front at times this season, mostly when he's chasing a game. Um, it's not unheard of. I, I'm sure that Fulham will be looking at this area in order to try and consider what might happen in situations like this, especially because we're more likely to be chasing the game next year than we were this year. Um, and, and therefore, maybe someone who works alongside Mitrovic rather than having that kind of Mooney's Mitrovic 
switch which, which didn't really work and, and and maybe kind of letting Mooney's go on loan to find someone you know to basically groom him as a successor to to Mitrovic might be something that within within the realms of possibility well I, I've heard that as Marco and his team have taken holiday this week he's he's, he's brought my book with him um how to how to you know <laughs> how to win from one nil down <laughs> And he's having a read of it. So he doesn't want to make any decisions until he's kind of like gone through the book in full and, um, and, and you know, had time to reflect on the, on his learnings from the book. Yeah, I, 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 sure. I, I, you've written the foreword, Jack. I have written the foreword, apparently. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Peter, your, your copy, I don't know if it's got lost in the post or something like that, but um, yeah, it's, it's on your way to you. Okay. I'm, yeah. I'm glad I sent you the wrong address then. <laughs> available in all good bookshops right we'll take a break there afterwards we've got some emails and this will catch on part three of the fulhamish podcast sammy here with peter and jack and as ever just to say that this podcast uh, is backed by the lovely people at the athletic and also you guys uh, who support us over on the fulhamish community via level up monthly uh, we couldn't do this podcast without you it's a really fun place uh, if you'd like to support the pod uh, keep the content going the videos the articles the podcasts etc please do consider backing us monthly over on the fulhamish community uh, it massively helps and uh, if you want to join the telegram channel as a little bit of a bonus for that then uh, you are more than welcome uh, it's good fun on there but of course not for everyone if you just like to back us without uh, a telegram pinging all the time uh, then you're more than welcome uh, all the details are on our website fullamish.co.uk forward slash support right let's go into some of your emails before we do this will catch on uh, and the first one uh, is from mark i'll go to you on this one jack he says hi Fulhamish team hope you're all well I'm sure you are after last night I think he wrote this after the losing game loving the pods and the YouTube videos great work question for all you guys regarding the club badge would be interesting getting your view on a badge revamp I particularly like the more traditional badge and would like to see a nod to the actual Fulham crest many thanks from Mark I feel like this is a periodical question um, yeah, it comes up every two Jack, years, right? um, about the club crest I've seen no interest in Fulham redesigning the badge but it's getting on 20 years we've seen other Premier League teams kind of adopt a slightly more modern um, a more sellable uh, badge our, our neighbors up the road in Hounslow uh, redid their badge I think maybe last season if not the season before certainly not that long ago would you be anti a change would you support a change I know I like certainly think you can't do much worse than we've got right now um, I, I, I'm in a small minority that just doesn't really mind the badge and um, you know all these clubs have changed their logos in order to be more you know, marketable. Well, yes, Fulham were forced to change our logo in some ways because of the fact that it was also the badge, you know, the crest was that of Hammersmith and Fulham as well. I've heard, I've heard on the grapevine that that's not that's true. A, an old wives' um, tale. But even if it's not, basically Fulham were the first to do this. We're the first to go and make a badge that is drawable, that, you know, when a kid is draw, you know, drawing a picture of their favourite footballer at five years old, they could probably have a go at the Fulham badge. You know, it's very difficult to have a go at the old badges that are on the Demon Internet shirts. I don't think I could draw them if they were sat in front of me and I had some tracing paper. So you're you're looking at, that's why I think Fulham chose the badge design we did. Um, 
everyone seems to be going circular now. Uh, I'm not quite sure why, but it, it does feel like that's the path they're going. You look at someone like Juventus who changed their badge to the two J's um, not too long ago. I think what you're seeing is Fulham are actually just ahead of the mark on this trend. Um, and we've had 20 years of it and 20 years of people complaining about it. Um, I, I don't mind it. If, if they want to redesign the badge, they will. But careful what you wish for, because I have a funny feeling that a revamped badge would be further away from what people want and more back uh, and further into this kind of more simple, you know, kind of clip art versions that we're seeing of clubs around the world. Mm. Although I challenge you to try and draw the the FFC sideways um, and uh, and get it symmetrical, it's not not the easiest. Well, there you go. I'm not particularly um, not particularly good with a pen um, in hand or a quill or a paintbrush or whatever. So um, I, I will leave the I will leave the kind of written artistics to other people. I'll slightly disagree that I think you can do a lot better. I think careful what you wish for is a, is a good point though, because as you say, anything could just get an awful lot worse. And yeah, I guess Fulham maybe were at the start of a, a trend that I'm not hundred percent sure that is like something that we should be too pleased about. Basically we were the start no, of trend of creating modern is. shite badges. Yeah, but this is, this is how the world Trailblazers, yeah. pioneers. Perhaps. <laughs> Of, of making crap badges. Um, Peter, um, uh, do you have any opinion on uh, Fulham's badge? I imagine not. Ah, I mean, it's all about brand, isn't it? I mean, you, you, they change, you change your badge to improve your marketability. And Jack said it's very simplistic. And it's Fulham's Premier League years were with this badge. And I, I wonder how much that, that carries weight um, in terms of identity and knowing who Fulham are. For me, when you change a badge, it has to be something that's fan fan led or fan consulted you can't you know it has there has to be that dialogue you saw when Leeds came out with a badge that, that didn't go down too well did it um so um I about that that it's uh you, you know there has to be that sort of dialogue I mean I I don't particularly have a, a, an opinion either way really on the badge you guys will have more of an opinion than I would as long as there is that fan consultation then um then yeah then then go for it but I think it's a it's a brand thing, isn't it? And I'm glad Jack pointed out the Juve example because it's you know, Fulham are way ahead of a curve on that one. Yeah, um, that Juventus one is a bit of a rotter. Uh, one more question from John Witham says, "Hi guys, with promotion in the bag and the Championship coronation complete, maybe there's an opportunity to talk about what's on television. The Apple TV Plus program, Ted Lasso, all about an American football coach brought to England to be a proper football manager. While the show's AFC Richmond are fictional and they film it at Selhurst Park, there are some de- so there are some definite similarities to Fulham." Firstly, their chief rivals are Brentford. The club was founded in 1897 as opposed to 1879. They hadn't beaten Everton away since the 60s until a relegation threatened side did it. A veteran midfielder who ends up being a pundit, brackets Danny Murphy, then part of the coaching staff, Scott Parker. And then he says Craven Cottage itself is used as a stand-in for Goodison Park in season one with no attempt made to cover up the visible FFC logos. I have seen a photo of it. Um, It is a bit weird how they try and claim that Craven Cottage is Goodison Park and make absolutely no effort in the edit to kind of get rid of the uh, Fulham badges. I think that's all part of the humour. 
Um, the show has found a good balance of American feel-good comedy and English piss-taking, in my opinion anyway. I'm curious to hear if anyone has seen it. Um, thanks for the magnificent work this year, and that's from John Witham. I haven't seen Ted Lasso. Jack, I know you have. Did you notice these similarities that, that John did? Yeah, I did. Although I think that, you know, there's about five teams drawing similarities to their clubs as well. Um, so I'd imagine the writers have basically done what they expected. They've probably roped in teams of our kind of standing a little bit of you know the, the teams around us palace what being one of them to be like oh this represents us we can get involved with it and that's imagine a very little, clever little marketing ploy and um, there are definite similarities but more than anything ted lasso is absolutely incredible viewing it's so good and i think i was i was skeptical i'll be honest i was really skeptical of what it was and what it was going to you know what it was going to be um and i was like very very kind of not sure that this is going to work but it's really funny really really funny and like quite heart rendering by the end of it as well so i would genuinely recommend anyone who doesn't so much so that um when they asked us to be part of the promotion campaign for the second season of it when i was still at vr um it was like one of the the best things i I couldn't stop smiling all day um i was so happy to be to be part of that second promotion season of it um so yeah i would really really recommend um i'm no longer with that job so there's no there's no reason for me to be pushing this um aside from the fact that i think it's just a genuinely excellent tv show um and if you're missing football this summer something that will give you a, a wry smile on your face i think yeah, I need to just like get the trial for Apple TV. It's the only reason I haven't watched it. It's very much on the things I want to watch. I just haven't got that Apple TV. Um, Peter, have you seen it? I haven't. I haven't. I've, I've seen clips of it. It's one I want I want to watch. But isn't there like a clip of that Ted Lasso one where he, he says that Fulham fans should go home and chase, chase a referee or something? I've yeah, seen that pop there's up some, on. There's some, there's, some fun, there's some really funny lines. and There are moments, but it's um, it just genuinely a very, very good show. Peter, while we're here, any other big TV shows you'd recommend for the summer break while there's no Fulham? Uh, yeah, I'm just sort of dipping in and out of it's always sunny in Philadelphia at the moment, but that has a very specific audience, so it may not be to everyone's taste. But um, yeah, good, good value. Also, mainly because I now know who Rob McElhenney is, obviously with the Wrexham stuff. I actually know who he is now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a very, very nice man, by the way, Rob McElhenney. Very funny man as well. And uh they're in the National League playoffs, aren't they, Wrexham? Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. This uh, this this summer, so uh, so good luck to uh, to Wrexham. Um, what's what am I watching at the moment? I, I'm watching something that's so Sammy James. I'm watching a French property show on Netflix um, called Away. Uh, with, I think it's like Away with You. Agency to fly to that. Yeah, Away with You. <laughs> I quite enjoy it. It's a bit of a trash reality TV, but it's French, so uh, I feel like I'm uh, paying homage to the to the university roots. Right, this will catch on uh, to end. Um, Jack said last week that Maurice's brilliant Harry Wilson, Mitrovic and Niskins remix has saved This Will Catch On. I'm wondering if today may be the day that This Will Catch On gets cancelled again. So we've got we've got definitely two, potentially three if there's time. But the first two today are both on a sea shanty uh, vibe. <laughs> We have two sea shanties okay. for you. Okay. So the first one here is from Simon Patey, 
He says, was listening the other week when it was commented there are no team charts as opposed to individual players. So I drafted this and he called it, this won't uh, catch on. So it's just a a small sea shanty uh, for Fulham. I'll I'll get your thoughts on it. My father made me Fulham fan from birth. The cottage by the Thames is where we play our games. Stand up high in the hammy, noble squads I see. Steady course for the win, boys. How many goals? <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, I think the thing is, when they're not set to tunes, you obviously know. Um, it's harder to kind of... <laughs> Right, well, it's, not, it's, it's never catching on, right? I guess that's why he it's called not, it. This won't yeah, catch which is on. Fine. It, it just it's, there's like no rhymes, <laughs> like none. It's just like, all right. <laughs> I thought if you're gonna do a sea shanty, there's gonna at least be like a heave ho, catchy chorus, but no, just just words. Sort of I mean, vaguely, I, vaguely set to a tune. I enjoyed it. like banging the table. That was my that was my favorite part. What was yours? Um, well, I could just imagine like Fishman's friends um, singing it outside the uh, the Hammersmith Can end. Maybe. You? I mean, it would be quite Fulham for Fishman's friends to uh, to come down to that to the cottage. Not for me, thank you. Um, All right, well, here's the second uh, sea shanty. Anyway, uh, it's like London buses, these sea shanties. You don't get any for the six months that we've been doing this will catch on and two come along at once. This is from Ben Stupples in West Wickham. He says, hi, Fulhamish. Uh, West Wickham is in Wickham Wanderers or Wickham is in W-I-C-K-H-A-M? As in Wickham Wanderers. Oh, fair. I've been to the other West Wickham. There you go. Oh, okay. Interesting fact. I didn't know that Wickham was big enough to divide it east and west. It's a little bit like me saying I'm from West Godalming. Um, I am technically, but it sounds a little bit odd, but maybe Wickham's bigger than I realise. I'm from West London, to be fair. Well, that yeah, that makes a bit more sense. It'd be like you said you're from West Hanwell, uh, which is a little bit odd. Um, anyway, Ben says, hi, Fulhamish. Someone on the Telegram app, oh, thank you for being part of it, set a challenge to make a Fulham sea shanty. I didn't see that, but so I thought I'd have a go. I've listened to the podcast religiously. It all makes sense now. <laughs> despite an amazing season, one man is criminally overlooked for this will catch on. So here's my sea shanty for our hero, Alexander Mitrovic. Who knows? The chorus may catch on. He says, sorry for the poor recording quality and the slightly grizzled singing voice. I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with the quality. It is quite long though, so strap yourselves in. Come on. There once was a man called Mitrovic. He made the championship his bitch. He plays for Fulham FFC on the banks of the River Thames. Alexander Mitrovic. He scored the most goals in the championship. (laughs) All hail Mitrovic, Fulham's number nine. He scored with his left and he scored with his right and he made the championship oh, look shite. He plays for Fulham FFC, the pride of London town. Alexander Mitrovic, he just destroyed the championship. All hail Mitrovic, 43 goal hero. I think this is the bridge. 
This is quite good, to be fair. Right, I'm, I'm having quite a good time. Alexander Mitrovic, he scored the most goals in the championship. All hail Mitrovic, Fulham's number nine. Alexander Mitrovic, he just destroyed the championship. All hail Mitrovic, 43 goal hero. I, I, I think it's quite good. That was good. I, I, that. I thought you were going to be like, you say I, that this was real bad, but this is, this is great. That was excellent. That was yeah, really I enjoyed good. it. I, it's not what I was expecting when I saw that email this morning. No, that um, was great. I'm, um, I'm here for it. Really, really good. The voice is brilliant for it. If he's not doing sea shanties as a, as a career, then I think he needs to start. Yeah, that was, it was, it was real good. Real um, hearty vibes. That's what I was on about with the old heave ho choruses, right? This is, that's yeah. what you want. That's what you're looking for. Looking for something to cling on to. Um, I had a good time. I enjoyed myself. Oh, that okay, was excellent. Good. Well done. So this will catch on isn't cancelled. I think we'll leave it there for today though. But thank you, Ben. Thank you, Simon, for your suggestions. Hello at fullamish.co.uk. There's a few weeks left. Uh, we'll be doing the uh, charts, the end of season charts uh, in a couple of weeks, but there's still, yeah, uh, at least one or two more podcasts to get your submissions for this season in. And who knows, maybe it does continue next season. I think it depends on how Fulham do. If we're getting battered like Watford are every week, I think it might not be so fun. It just changes the tone of the... The, yeah, they're, 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 not as, they're not as good if we're losing every week. So let's see Dido we every week. Dido? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> wouldn't be opposed to a Dido. <laughs> this will catch fast. on. Yeah. 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 If you can make something to white flag by Dido, I'm all for it. Uh, right. Thank you very much for listening today. Uh, there will be another podcast this time next week, another Thursday club with myself, Peter and Jack. Uh, we're going to be doing podcasts probably now until the start of uh, end of May, start of June, uh, just once a week um, doing a midweek podcast. And um, there's just so much in terms of um Pre-season preparations, post-season reaction that I think that uh, we've got plenty to be podding on and, and getting into at least until June, particularly with uh, the Championship playoffs still happening and the Premier League uh, concluding as well. Uh, but for today, thank you to my guest, Peter Rutzler. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Sammy. Always a pleasure. And Jack Collins, thank you. Thank you very much, Sammy. Appreciated. Um, are you going to go maybe uh, learn a sea shanty? Come up with I one? might leave the sea shanties to those who are you know, clearly very talented at doing so. So um, no, it's um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy. You're more you're more a poems man, not I a sea more shanty a poems man. guy. Yeah. So we, we shall see. But um, you could combine them. Maybe in your old age, when you've grown a beard and you live by the sea, maybe that's when you kind of like morph into. The I feel sea like shanties. my hair's too like jet black at the moment. I need it to be salt and pepper before I start thinking about sea shanties. Do you know what I mean? Uh, you're a young man. There's time. There's it's time strapping hell. <laughs> there's a time for you to get into the sea shanties anyway we'll leave it there thank you for listening uh, we'll be back in a week until then have a great one coming you right you right